right, a uh, whole lot about Trump. Um, I guess, you know what, that could be the intro. I, I don't even have to intro it further than that. A whole lot about Trump. It's unfucked. I'm Gunner. That's Laugh. How you doing? Whoo, brother. <laughs> Son of me. Sure has. Sure has. Uh, outside of both of our day jobs, uh, which are doing their best to kill us. Um, <laughs> we, we were reading this, uh, this news. So they raided the FBI did, uh, raid his home in Florida and, uh, boy, that just, I'll let you take it from there. Thoughts. Uh, well, first of all, you have to put it in context so that people understand it. Uh, first of all, it's a 58 bedroom, mansion that's been converted into something i guess similar to a hotel um and you know there are tons of people in and out of there not very well regulated not very secure um and turns out apparently there's some uh, super top secret double top secret triple top secret type uh documents that uh had found their way to mar-a-lago uh, in, in violation of at least the National Archives laws um, that say everything you do as president belongs to the National Archives and not, not your property. Right. So, uh, you know, so a search warrant was issued and uh, that, that warrant was approved by a judge who was appointed by the Trump administration, um, approved by Republicans in the Senate. And, you know, the FBI managed by, uh, headed by a man appointed by Trump. Um, so, yeah, uh, a bunch of Republican law enforcement people said they believed there was probable cause that uh, a crime had been committed with respect to those records. So uh, that, that's how you get to a search warrant. And that's that's what happened here. And uh, they struck a little pot of gold, apparently, and law enforcement terms in the sense that uh, we know because these things were disclosed that uh, the inventory shows a number of materials that had designations of highly uh, top secret confidential, the types of things you're only supposed to view in a specified type of secure room uh, so that there's zero chance of that information being disseminated. Right. Apparently, it was in the uh, junk drawer, one of the desks somewhere down there, and room closet or some shit like that. I don't know. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, that that makes total sense. Um, Yeah, yeah. you know, you're a lawyer, uh, laugh. So, um, as as a lawyer. Uh, and you're a defense lawyer, right? Uh, or you have been, I mean, uh, at some yeah, point. I've done a little bit of everything in my life. I, you know, I tell people normally that I see the assholes of the world in my day job, but, uh, you know, over the course of hundreds of trials from, a, a, you know, a young lawyer to uh, an old gray-headed lawyer, uh, I've done everything from criminal defense to, uh, you know, prosecution right. of complex litigation against the richest companies in America. So and um, it might you know, be it's, a, it's a different type of uh, there's a lot of a lot of experiences across the vast spectrum there. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I 
ask that uh, because I, I would, if, if you were tasked, if, 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 it, if it was a client, you know, you just had to take and you were Donald Trump's defense lawyer for something like this, what would be your thought process? Well, you know, most uh, criminal defense lawyers, the very first thing they do is tell their client to shut their fucking mouth. Um, right. But that wouldn't do any good. So he's not good at next. That. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have a plan B um, because that's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, there's a bigger step back from this that you got to take. Um, this this didn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, let's look at where we are. We're in August of 2022. And it means that he has not been president since January 20th of 2021. So right. that's a year plus almost eight months. So he's sneaking up on two years out of office. Right. Now, you know, the folks at the National Archives, uh, they have a methodology of collecting all this information. Worked for 44 other presidents. Never had an issue like this of any type. Um, and, you know, most presidents understand, you know, the gravitas of what they're doing and the importance of it to American history and American culture and American politics. And they respect the institution and they follow base rules about record keeping. They don't, you know, you don't take a letter that you wrote and tear it up, you know. Yeah. Uh, everything, you know, you're not supposed to destroy any document that you generated. You're given government devices that retain all your electronic communications. Everything's supposed to happen there. Um, and, you know, so... Uh, what happened in this situation was um, the story goes that Trump waited until the last minute to pack to leave the White House because he didn't want to be seen as admitting defeat. And so there was a very scrambled and a little bit disorderly process of packing up. Um, and of course, a uh, number of people that worked for Trump said that he was very handy about taking things like uh, reports and briefs that came from various intelligence services or whatnot that he would keep his copy and that the staffers had gotten to a habit of asking him to return it so that he wouldn't keep a copy. But, you know, that's never a hundred percent thing. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that, that was confirmed by at least a couple of different people that have talked about that problem this week since this came up. But what the archives did was they went to him and said, you know, Mr. Former President, uh, you know, we got all these laws about keeping up with your records. We need to get all the information from you that, that you know, you were, was part of your administration. And he's like, sure, here's a couple of boxes. Okay. Well, they came back to him and said, well, we don't believe that's everything. Um, got some indication there's some more things out there. And, and so Trump treated it almost like a civil litigation when you're a big defendant and you just leak shit out over time and you just keep trying to push people away and hope that you can just, you know, drag shit out until they get bored and give up, right? That's what corporate America likes to do. Yeah, of course. So that's been his strategy in civil litigation. I mean, he's well known for being what we call a delayer and a denier. Um, that's usually what corporate America's best at in the courtroom. Um, but 
he had kind of employed that strategy with the National Archives, and, and over the course of about the first year, he had been repeatedly asked, and his counsel had been repeatedly asked to turn over this information, and uh, eventually, his counsel made a recommendation or a, a representation to the National Archives that they had turned over everything. And there was certainly nothing top secret or confidential remaining. And, um, you know, there were several visits by National Archives people, that sort of thing. I mean, this was not just like a somebody woke up today and said, let's, you know, get a search warrant for the former president's estate. I mean, this was a long, drawn-out process of many conversations, many requests, many informal meetings and requests, uh, many follow-ups, and then ultimately, in an effort to get the materials, they, there was a subpoena issue for any of those categories of materials, right? No response. No, we don't have any of that. Well, apparently someone... Uh, close enough to the former president to know that these things were there, uh, you know, became an informant uh, to the National Archives, and they made a criminal referral to the DOJ about the fact that he still had confidential and top-secret records. And, you know... I don't know, most people don't know how the DOJ works in this scenario, but, you know, normally what happens is you're going to get the appropriate federal law enforcement agency, in this case, the FBI. They're going to come down and ask for an informal meeting. They're going to talk to you about, you know, the shit that you've been accused of, more or less. They're going to give you a chance to, you know, talk to your lawyers, talk with your lawyers, and, you know, yeah, do an investigation, right? I mean, it's, it's a... It, all this stuff takes time, and there's a lot of communication, a lot of give and take. In other words, there's a lot of opportunities to get off this train before it got to where we got this last week, okay? Right. That's the, the point I'm trying to get across is that there were many, 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 many opportunities missed to avoid this confrontation. And when it became apparent, obviously, that, that they were going to continue to be stonewalled and that there were some very seriously confidential, highly confidential matters that were floating around in the president's back pocket, a former president's back pocket, they finally had to act. And, uh, I mean, that's the outcome. I mean, you know, the outcome is that they went there looking for categories of information and they found it. Um, and, and I would guess just based on what I have seen reported about the timeline that uh, the former president missed probably in the range of 50 to 100 opportunities to get off this train before it went off, you know, went off the cliff, so to speak. Um, so one has to wonder whether we're dealing with someone either so egotistical that they think the law doesn't apply to them or so crazy that they want to trigger this type of confrontation. Um, I kind of think it's probably both. Um, I, and, and, and one, at least one, maybe, I don't know, uh, one third of Americans probably still support Trump. Am I too high on my estimation? I don't think so. I think one third. I mean, that's significant. 
Um, well, here's what's scary to me. Set aside normal people not in government, just we'll call them fanboys of Trump, okay? Um, take that group of people, set them to the side. Let's talk about the reaction of supposedly people who self-identify as Republicans. Um, you've heard some of these crazies talking about defunding the FBI. Yeah. Uh, comparing the FBI to the Gestapo from Nazi Germany. And the FBI are police, are they not? So that would they, be, they are. That would be defunding the police. Yeah, they would be defunding the, you know, probably one of the most well-respected law enforcement agencies in the world. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't understand what it takes to become an FBI agent, um, it ain't like you get out of high school and you go past a physical and you go to a training school and you get a badge. Uh, most of the time to even be recruited for the FBI, you have to have a professional degree. Um, it used to be accounting and law were the primary fields. Then they've added engineering and computer science. So you have an advanced degree, usually from a relatively prestigious institution. You've been employed in private practice. You've made a significant income. And then you walk away from that in three to 10 years from the beginning of your professional degree to become a candidate to become an agent for the FBI. So these people are not stupid. Yeah. And I have dealt with a few of them in my career. And, uh, you know, my experience is they're very low key until you force them not to be low key. Um, but when they bring the hammer, they tend to bring it, right. you know? So, so it's just, uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that people who identify as part of the party of law and order are, uh, basically starting to manifest what some of the things you and I have talked about where the only law and order is what, what we want it to be. And if it ever applies to us, then it don't count and it's unfair and it's improper. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, as a libertarian, I think both parties do that. And I have disdain for both parties um, for that reason. Um, it's the weaponizing of the federal government. Um, what's scary, though? Uh, well, it's, it's not just whether or not the federal government's weaponized, but it's also the demonizing you know, this prestigious federal law enforcement agency on the, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, it would be one thing if we're talking about uh, tracing the server in Trump Towers, what the fuck ever, excuse my French, but it's like, it, you know, we're talking about, here's, a, here's an affidavit of probable cause. We believe the former president has confidential and top secret information on his compound based on the information provided by a reliable confidential informant. Yeah. Who the judge knows who that is, by the way. Um, and, and they have sworn that the witness has sworn the personal knowledge of where those documents are and what they contain. Based on that, they get a search warrant 
and they go and they search. And guess what? The documents are what was represented, where they were represented to be. And boys and girls in the law, we call that ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, Again, so, I mean, that's just, a, it's a tough spot to be in if you're the defendant. And another ironic twist on this is that part of the reason that, you know, at least some of these uh, claims are potential felonies is because of the law that Trump signed into office or signed when he was in office that made the retention of these federal records a felony because of the accusation that Hillary Clinton whitewashed some server with some emails in it during the 2016 election. So on the strength of that accusation that, that she had scrubbed and destroyed a server with, with federal emails and she was not prosecuted, they tuned that statute up from a misdemeanor to a felony. Right. Right. Yeah. And now uh, that attack dog they put in the backyard has uh, snapped off the collar and is now in the front yard trying to eat its owner's ass. Well, fate does love irony, of course. Uh, <laughs> and so, karma is still a bitch. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, um, I, I, I think. Um, it's going to get so much worse, especially once we get to 2024, because the supporters of Trump, who, again, I'll I'll say it because a lot of people are going to listen and think that I'm, I'm liberal and I'm not, I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm, I'm a state's rights, Jeffersonian conservative. I assure you I am. Uh, I would have been an anti-federalist back in the day. I am, I am as, as, uh, in that respect, far right as you can get, uh, but but I can't support this, can I? Well, you know, even if you're anti-federalist and you're as pro-states right as you can be, yes, under our federal constitution, we still have a singular executive, and that singular executive is charged with acting in that office for the benefit and protection of the country, and there are rules and laws that apply to that, uh, just like there are rules and laws to apply to each of us when we get in our car and drive down the road. Right. You know, we, we are not free to drive in the wrong lane of traffic at 100 miles an hour through a school zone. Yes. You know, while kids are trying to get on buses and get picked up by parents, right? Yeah, because um, it, it, it affects other you know, people. We, we can't take an 18-wheeler and drive through the middle of a Walmart. Right. You know, there are rules for all of us, you know, that we live by. And it's, it's part of our, you know, basic contract with one another. Don't do stupid shit that hurts somebody else, right? Yeah. That's supposed to be the foundation of society. Point's very simple. Just don't be out needlessly harming other people for no damn reason. Right. You know, it's just don't be a jackass. But when you're the president, the, the number one rule they tell you when you get inaugurated is everything you do, every slip of paper you generate, every fucking post-it note between now and when you walk out of here four or eight years later um, is ours. Right. 
And you know that that's, going in. That's that's the way it's always been. No one's ever had an issue with that. Yeah. And and until we elected a uh, reality show star uh, who, shockingly enough, had a bit of an ego. Um, Yeah. And and is, uh, you know, vastly experienced in litigation from being a defendant or a plaintiff in thousands of lawsuits, uh, you know, all across America. So, yeah. I think what he may have thought in his mind was he was playing the little game he plays with his defense lawyers uh, in civil litigation. He was a businessman. And, you know, like I said, you just string a few things out and you keep the other side, you know, mentally exhausted and physically exhausted from chasing your ass around a courtroom about give me this, give me that. Well, in this case, you're chasing them around the former president's office and hoping that they just wear down and go away and you get to keep your secrets. Right. Um, and the crazy thing is, is it, it, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's deeply disturbing the hundreds or thousands of people who have been in that facility and, you know, anyone who has been, has discussed it as a, as a security expert has said that it's a fucking nightmare because you know it's it's a effectively he's living in a hotel and so they they don't have really much of any control over who's there mm-hmm. um there were a number of or at least two reported security breaches that were concerning uh when he was president there was a famous photograph a story of him uh, meeting with Shinzo Abe, uh, former president of Japan, who was recently assassinated uh, after North Korea launched a missile toward, uh, out into, I think it was the Sea of Japan, um, right there in the dining hall of fucking restaurant, you know, huddled up in a corner looking at maps with cell phone lights and people were taking pictures of it and taking videos and stuff and talking about, oh, the president's over here talking about the North Koreans. I mean, you know, it's just a, 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 like I say, the gravitas of the office seems a little bit less than when you're making plans over, you know, the uh, palate cleanser between dinner and dessert, right? Yeah, it does. And we're running up uh, on about 10 minutes left. Uh, so I... Uh, I want to ask you just a few questions. Um, in your opinion, has the office itself been permanently damaged? I, I don't know. Um, I think where we go, um, what happens next? Uh, what he does in this moment has the potential to gravely damage not only the office, but the country. Which will lead me to uh, my second question. We had an insurrection episode not too long ago, but um, let's say in the next 50 years, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 1 being that uh, the United States uh, remains just fine, 10 being chaos and we self-destruct, where do you see... Uh, that scale in the next uh, 50 years? 
The dog, um, the dog doesn't like it. But my dog is voting. Um, <laughs> yes. she, she, she's, I've got an opinion. I just don't understand it. Um, good question. I'm more worried about the next 50 days, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that there's an argument to be made that a malevolent uh, actor in this position might have created the confrontation for the purpose of stoking violence and outrage for the purpose of uh, raising money off the outrage of people who have been misled and uh, on a massive scale and and also with the hopes of using the quote-unquote persecution to keep themselves in the news uh, for another presidential run and I, I do believe that he hopes to forestall several potential prosecutions, uh, not the least of which is uh, the one in in New York where he just took the fifth uh, like 400 times a single deposition, uh, but also the Atlanta uh, obstruction of justice, interference with campaigns, for, you know, trying to bully a Republican uh, office holder into basically changing the vote totals um and then this this whole mess and you know uh the, the general rule has been that a president can't be prosecuted while in office um criminally so i think that his hope is that he keeps everything stirred up and mucked up until he can run again and that he can with all the changes they've uh, implemented to make it more difficult to vote, he can win election again by a suppressed vote, and you know go in on a you know one point one percentage point win and and then claim a mandate, um, mm. you know, and then and then pro- forestall any any further prosecution for another four years. Um, I honestly think that's uh, the most likely outcome. I don't think Joe Biden is a strong candidate at all. Um, no, like I said, we need to draft Matthew McConaughey and actually get a real famous person with a little bit of heart, kind of cares about the country to run for office and not uh, a megalomaniac. We need someone to be president who doesn't want to be president, uh, which I think Matthew there would fit that bill. Well, you know, it's, it's if it's one thing, it's like most positions of power, especially elected positions. If, if you take on that mantle with humility and an attitude of service and a burden to serve your country, um, I think you start out in the right place. Yeah. If it is a giant ego stroke, you know, if you're simply being filleted at the fountain of public opinions, then what a great turn, you start buddy. out from the shittiest place ever and it only gets worse. Right. Well, my final question would be, uh, do you foresee there being a President Trump library? (laughs) And and if so, if so, because every president has one. I mean, Nixon has a library in California. If so, where would it be? Would they put it in New York or or Florida or where would they put it? Is it going to happen? Well, my guess is if it's Trump, they probably put it in the middle of 
fucking Okeechobee swamp and sell, you know, condos around it and make it some multi-level marketing enterprise that somehow enriches the former president at the expense <laughs> of poor bastards that believe in him. <laughs> Kind of like all of his fundraising for the last two years. So it's it's the Trump Library and Casino Resort. Uh, that's <laughs> probably right. Yeah, <laughs> that is probably correct. Yeah, I'm sure that there's probably a set of those plans somewhere in his office. I doubt that the FBI took those when they were looking for nuclear uh, secrets. Right. That idea will make so much money too if they were if they're able to bring it to fruition. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's not your lonesome swamp front property that's undeveloped. Oh, and ends up in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So, you know, yeah. that would also be typical. And the Okeechobee is so nice. If you love mosquitoes and alligators and other things that can kill you, uh, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. All right. Well, we hit 30 minutes. We did pretty good. Um, you know, Laugh, uh, one of these days we're just going to do a podcast on like the best things about puppies just so people have something nice to listen to because uh we 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 bring bad news so yeah but it seems like lately that uh, the back the bad news backs us into a fucking corner and we don't really have any say so in the matter well that's that's exactly right truly frustrating lab and i uh text throughout the week uh while while our day jobs again try to kill us and we try to plan topics and then things like this happen and then all right we're gonna have to talk about this because you know this has to get out and Anywho, here we are. If uh, they do name it the uh, Trump um, Library Casino uh, Resorts, I, I want a piece of that because I came up with that name. So yeah, uh, yeah, you should get you should go ahead and uh, and, and, and copyright that <laughs> shit. Get a trademark on it so you you can make some royalties. I know a good lawyer. All right, sir. Uh, let's see. Uh, Unfox wherever you get your podcast. Um, I've had to re-edit a few episodes, but they should be everywhere. I'm still working on Pandora. Pandora is being a little bit of a problem right now, but. What's the matter? You can't open Pandora's box? I, I certainly can't. Uh, <laughs> Pandora wants like silent tones for ads and stuff, and, and a lot of the streaming services do. But anyway, iTunes, Spotify, uh, most of the streaming platforms should be up right now. Um, we are doing well within the United States uh, right now. Uh, the state that uh, you and I are in, laugh, uh, obviously well represented. Um, uh, Tennessee is represented, uh, several spots in Texas, uh, just out of, outside of Wichita. We're getting some listeners, uh, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, New York city, Washington, DC. We got a few more listens in, uh, Washington, uh, Idaho. That's a new one. Phoenix, Arizona, Los Angeles, uh, San Jose, and then we can go international. North Africa, for whatever reason, Berlin. Uh, it's, our, it's our geography quiz, right? Oh, it's Brussels. Brussels. Brussels, Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. So Belgium uh, is listening. Uh, Japan uh, is in there. And there was one I wanted to mention, too, uh, if I can find it. Oh, Brussels. Brussels is actually listening a lot. So that's cool. Um, yeah, well, that, that's good. We found a fan. That's awesome. Shout out to Brussels. You're Shout not- out to Brussels. That's right. All right. 
Let's get all them folks in Belgium in line. That's right. Spread the word. Spread the word. All right. Uh, laugh. Uh, I am Gunner, and uh, this is always a pleasure. Unfucked.com and wherever you get your podcast. <laughs>